are continuing in the series that we started last week entitled Seven Letters. Seven Letters. And in this series, what we're endeavoring to do is to study the words of Jesus to a body of churches in the region of Asia Minor. This is in the book of Revelations. And these churches were not unlike us today. Let me tell you why I say that. One, because these churches were placed, if you look on a map, where they were established, these seven churches, it was kind of like a, kind of like a semi-sort of wiggly circle, right? But the thing is, where they were in Asia Minor, these people were positioned to be influential in that region of the known world. And I'm going to tell you why, that, why that's important to understand, because you are placed specifically, strategically by God where you are to be a light, to be an influence in this world. Amen? And so listen, these people, uh, this, these churches were not unlike us today. They were living in times that posed great pressures from the world's system and values that came against their beliefs. And their outward witness, their faith, while also dealing with pressures that began to arise against their beliefs, against them from within. Listen, there were doctrines that began to, to arise. There were differing beliefs uh, that began to arise. There were selfish ambitions of people that arose from within their ranks that began to lead many astray. Do you realize that that's happening today? That's happening today. It's still happening today. Now, I get it. When we start talking about pressure and persecution and some of the things that we see in these letters, it's kind of hard to relate to them because, after all, we live in a world, we live in a, in a region, in a, in a country where we don't blatantly see that. But let me tell you, it's blatantly happening. It's blatantly happening. It is. Listen, we're beginning to see, I mean, you, have, you heard about this new thing, the whole cancel culture, right? You don't believe what we believe, well, we cancel you. We take you off of social media. We take you off of the TV. We cancel you. We, we, we push you aside. You don't matter. We suppress your voice. This is happening. This is happening. Censorship of ideas and opposing views. This is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Beliefs, uh, the church being attacked because we oppose worldview. This has been happening for a while. It's just some of us are starting to wake up. And you need to realize that we are in a day and age that is not unlike these churches and what they were facing. And so, as I said, the world we live in today is no different. And if we are to overcome, if we are to thrive, we must take heed to the words of Jesus as written to the church of Smyrna. Today, our study leads us to examine the topic of the faithful church. The faithful church. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelations chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 11. I want to just point your attention and remind you that these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. And that's important because, you know, you, you can get smitten with a preacher. And that's not what this is about. <laughs> I am nobody. Really, I'm nobody here. But I bring you a message directly from God's word. And so let's consider the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says starting at verse 8. He says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right, these things the, says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. 
I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulations 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And so what we see here is that this church was commended by Jesus for their faithfulness. He calls them faithful. But you know, we got a question. What exactly was so extraordinary about their faith, their faithfulness, that Jesus commended them? There's only two of these seven churches that Jesus held nothing against them, that he commended them. And so we, we got to pay attention to this and ask why. So let's start off by simply considering this. If I were to ask you for you to think about, not to start shouting out, but if I were to ask you what qualifies as faithfulness to Christ, what would you say? What would you think? You know, do you believe that Jesus called these people faithful because they gathered together regularly? Was it maybe because they served people in need? Was it because they read the scriptures faithfully? Was it because they prayed often? Was it because they gave of their resources? Was it because they strived to be good people and to do good things? Listen, all these things are some of the very things that we judge faithfulness by today among the body of Christ. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. They're absolutely appropriate, and we should remain faithful in those areas. But is it possible that faithfulness is much more than these? Is it possible? See, it's important to dig into the words of our Lord Jesus in these verses to truly understand why he commended them for their faithfulness, right? So that we can endeavor to be counted among these saints of Smyrna as faithful. And so Jesus says to them this. He says, I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And I want to just dig into that a little bit because when Jesus says, I know there, he's using the Greek term, which is the Greek word oido. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, I am intimately knowledgeable of what you are going through. But it's not by way of having heard of it or because you prayed about it. Literally, the Greek emphasis, the, 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 the emphasis here in this Greek word is, I am present. I am there. I understand. I'm walking with you. I see what's going on. He says, I know your works. The word works there is the Greek word ergon. And what it literally means is this. I know, he's saying, I know your unique way among the rest. And so here's what, what Jesus is saying. There is something that these people were doing that the other churches weren't. He's saying there's something unique, something distinct, something different about you. And so, and then he, he, he alludes to the fact that they were suffering tribulation and poverty. So see, there was something that they were undergoing that was different than any other church in this day. The word tribulation there 
speaks of a burden that is crushing, debilitating, humiliating, and even overpowering. As a matter of fact, in the earliest uses of this word, it was used to display extreme hostility and torture. And so, and the word poverty here speaks of abject poverty. That's not just any poverty. It's talking about total impoverishment. It's talking about a poverty so appalling that it leaves a person destitute, deprived of the barest essentials for living. As a matter of fact, it, it literally depicts complete ruin. And it all comes by out of, the, out of an uh, extraordinary poverty that is amplified by an inflicted tribulation. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's literally telling us that these believers underwent deep suffering. And he equates it to torture. And their poverty and suffering was directly tied to something important. Their faithfulness. Their faithfulness. So why were they suffering? Now look, I'm not here telling you that God's calling you to endure poverty, to go and be poor, to go and be broke. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something unique that was happening here. Why, was, why were these people suffering? So let me give you some backdrop here, some Bible history here. They were economically suppressed because their faith was contrary to the economic system of the time. The economic system in those days in this, in this region was driven by what, is called, what, what was called trade guilds. And we, I talked about that a little bit last week, but these trade guilds were basically comprised of people who, like unions. And so they said, if you want to work, then you've got to not only be a part of our trade guild, but you've got to participate in what we do. So every trade guild meeting was opened up with pagan worship. Led to drunkenness, sometimes even to orgies, some real weird stuff, right? In the book of Ephesus, I'm sorry, in, in, uh, in, Eph- in Thessalonica, Paul encountered one of these trade guilds that was, uh, uh, who worshipped the pagan goddess Diana. And so this was, these guilds controlled the workforce, but here's what they also did. If they didn't like you or you, didn't, or you chose not to do what they uh, did and you didn't believe what they believed, then not only were you shunned from the op- opportunity to work, many times they also restricted you from even doing business with them. So you couldn't even buy from them. And so these people could in fact have prospered, but it would have come at the expense of turning away from Christ. In other words, their poverty was a result of their faithfulness. And here's the thing. Pagans in those days believed that prosperity was an indication that that their gods favored you. They also believed the, the, uh, the converse of that, which is that poverty was a punishment from their gods for something done. Therefore, they treated poor people as outcasts. What does that tell us? That these saints, these believers were social rejects where they lived. And in addition to this, they suffered at the hands of their fellow countrymen. See, Smyrna was highly populated by Jews. There were countless synagogues in this city. But these Jews denounced them. They mistreated them. They falsely accused them and they encouraged their persecution. And so here's the thing. Jesus called these saints faithful for more than just the title Christian. 
He called them faithful for more than just their good works, which we commonly associate with Christianity. Jesus called them faithful because they were unwilling to forsake their faith in Christ at all costs. At all costs. So it's important to know that while these people lack their most basic needs, listen to the words of Jesus. He says, you are in fact rich. He says, you're abounding, you're abundantly supplied, you are wealthy beyond measure. See, while their poverty was extraordinary, their love for Christ and their devotion to each other kept them and provided for them something so much greater than what material sources could, uh, material resources could afford them on a temporary basis. See, despite their challenges, this church continued to thrive in their witness, in God's power, and in their faith, which leads me to a point. See, faithfulness is the result of your choice. Somebody say, my choice. choice. Somebody say, my choice. I pray that you understand the power of your choice as it pertains to faithfulness. Faithfulness is the result of your choice to remain devoted to God and trust Him regardless of of the circumstances regardless of the circumstances now I'm sure that many of us feel strongly about our declaration of faithfulness but I'd like you to consider this rhetorical question I'd like you to think about this what do your responses in the face of pressures that challenge what you believe reveal I'm going to ask you that question again. What do your responses in the face of pressures that challenge what you believe reveal? Listen, when doing what's wrong is easier than doing what's right and nobody's watching. What do you do? Listen, when standing upon biblical principles goes against what it takes to to get that promotion, what do you do? How do you respond to the influence of media and popular opinion and this cancel culture? Do you tolerate it? Do you hide behind the banner? Well, you know, we're just supposed to love everyone. Just step all over my faith. I won't say a word. Right? Do you fall in line and allow yourself to be muzzled? Or do you speak the truth and hold the line? I know, tough words, right? But everybody say, I love love. Pastor Jose. Jose. Thank you, I feel better already. So here's a question for you to answer for yourself. And you know, when it's just you and no one else, and you really measure the weight of the truth that you hold in your heart, Only you can answer this. So I I don't want you to answer this for me or for anyone else. But I have to ask you this question. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Are you? You know, the Bible records the life of a man named Noah. And he lived during a time when the wickedness of men was without measure. So much so that the scriptures reveal in Genesis 5, 6 that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. As a result, he decided that he would flood the entire earth, 
but preserve humanity through Noah. And so God told Noah, get this, to build an ark because he would flood the earth by way of rain. There's a problem with that, though. The thing is that it had never rained upon the earth up until this point. As a matter of fact, it hadn't even rained yet. See, Noah had no reference point for a reason to be faithful to do what God had called him to do. And yet, he did it anyway. See, not only did Noah have to continue to be faithful and devoted to God in the face of great wickedness, he also had to remain faithful to do what God said in the face of what did not make sense. Think about it. Noah's building an ark. Day in and day out, and people are walking by and going, hey, Noah, what are you doing? Rain's coming. Ha! This guy's out of his mind. Listen to him talking about God told him. And day in, day out, Noah kept building an ark because there was rain coming. He had never seen it. He'd never heard of it. He'd never experienced it. Additionally, I'd imagine that Noah underwent much ridicule at the hands of the world around him and even had to confront the questions of his own family at times. But God had told Noah that he would preserve the entire world through this act. And we got to think about this, that after the flood, the results that he got after the flood must have appeared to contradict what God said. Let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. It says, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. To the average person, they'd look around after coming out of the ark and say, I spent all these years building, building this massive ark just to have some animals and eight people? That's it? That's what God called me to? These meager results? But you see, faithfulness has nothing to do with what you see externally. It's not based on what you see nor what you think. See, faithfulness is based on a complete trust in what God sees and declares. Noah had never seen rain, but he believed God at his word. He did more than just believe what God said. He believed in God. And so the church of Smyrna, we learn a lot from them. And, man, there is so much I wish I could say to you, but I, I want to simply just point you to a couple of things that are kind of broad and wide-reaching as it relates to faithfulness. I want to share with you just some practical lessons on living with faithfulness, but I can assure you that as you go and you study God's Word and you dig into the notes we provide and you go further, you will see even more than what I'm sharing with you today. The first thing I want to leave you with here is this. It's that faithfulness concerns itself more with the end than the moment. I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness concerns itself more with the end than the moment. See, the church of Smyrna was faithful because they had faith in something greater than their moments of affliction. You ever been in one of those where it's just like, woe is me? 
It's like you just got to let everybody know how bad it is for me. And we hide it behind the banner, pray for me. Where are my prayer warriors at? Why? Because you don't know how to fight? Look, there's no condemnation in Christ. But if the shoe fits, don't wear it. Change it. Right? So... The church of Smyrna was faithful because they had faith in something greater than their moments of affliction. They believed in Christ and trusted his faithfulness more than their problems. You know, sometimes you can trust more in your problems than you do in God. I remember many years ago, my wife and I, we worked in the same company. And... uh one day we were both contacted, I believe it was on the same day, and we were invited. We were told that they wanted us to attend a training, a retreat, a three-day training. And it was with an organization, uh, I believe it was Landmark or something. I, I forget exactly what it was. But in any event, we were told that they wanted us to go to that. And the thing about it is that this training in particular, this retreat, so to speak, was reserved for the executive level staff at this, at this company. And we were not executive level. We were frontline workers, which means all eyes were on us. And these trainings were very, 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 very expensive. Thousands upon thousands of dollars to go, right? And so we were, we were told you know, that they'd like us to go. And we, we went, we actually didn't know what to expect. And so we show up and we're there with executive level staff from the company and all that. And there's all types of people there, you know, I mean, finance people and leaders from companies and all that. And so we're there. And as we started to go through the sessions and listen to the talks they were doing and the breakouts and all that, my wife and I both kind of looked at each other and we were like, something's not right here. This is, this is wrong. You see, they were teaching us and they were uh, attempting to get us to buy into a mode of thought that completely discredited Christ. It was all about you and your power and your train of thought and elevating your thinking and this and that. And I get those principles, but listen, they, 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 there was a, a disassociation from God to the extent that leave that to the side. This is about your power. And we were like, Mm-mm, nah, I can't get down with this. So that day, at the end of the day, we were kind of going back and forth. I remember we were sitting in a courtyard because it was at the old uh, World Trade Center Towers. And we were in that courtyard and we were talking and we both decided you know what we're we're not coming back tomorrow we're not coming back for the rest of this weekend um and so we had a discussion with the staff there and they were extremely disturbed they didn't like it and then there was talk about i remember the hr person the hr manager saying to us well you know there were thousands of dollars that were paid for you to be here and this is non-refundable to us, so you're gonna have to pay this back most likely. And I can tell you right now, 
The way our bank account was built at that time, it wasn't happening. <laughs> but here's the thing. We were convinced that it's better to do what God says. It's better to stand upon what we knew to be the truth than to forsake it, than to compromise it. We believed wholeheartedly that God would vindicate us and make a way for us. Well, guess what? We didn't have to pay it back, and we were still promoted. I'm just saying. Let me give you some scripture to encourage you here as it pertains to this point. Because you see, the point is that faithfulness concerns itself more with the end than the moment. You can't be moved by what you see and what's going on. You have to live for the vision that God has, for his promise. In Psalm 40, verse 10 and 11, David says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. In other words, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't kept this to myself. I have spoken your, of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love, your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Listen, David was faithful because he believed in God's faithfulness to see him through beyond his momentary afflictions. Can I just encourage your heart? Don't make the mistake of concerning yourself with the challenge to your faith in the moment. Well, what if I lose my job? Well, what if, what if, what if my family leaves me? What, what if they turn on me? What if people mistreat me? Listen, concern yourself with the faithfulness of God because according to his word, he will see you through to the promise. He will see you through. Not my words. That's God's word. Right? Now, the second point that I want to leave you with here today is that faithfulness is the conviction to do what is right regardless of the price you will have to pay. I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness is the conviction to do what is right, regardless of the price you will have to pay. I remember many years ago, there was a, when I was a youth pastor out in Middletown, uh, I always remember this because the, the, this young lady's father came to speak to me. He says, Pastor, my daughter came home talking about, you were talking about having stupid faith. He says, you need to explain that to me, right? But I didn't need to explain it because his daughter had already exemplified it to him. See, she was, she was, bent, she, she, she was looking to go to a specific college, and there were all these other colleges, but there were was, there was some things that she just didn't like about them, about the culture, about the environment. She says, that's not where I belong. And she says, Dad, Pastor Jose said that we should have stupid faith where everybody thinks it's stupid, but you know it to be true. And I remember that because after that, let me tell you, that young lady not only went to the college that she told her parents she was going to get into, but today she is a strong woman of faith. So pardon the, the term, but get the spirit of what I'm saying. Sometimes you just got to be stupid with your faith. 
It's like, listen, I don't care how stupid it seems to you. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care if you agree. I'm standing upon this. This is what's right. This is what's true. Come the cost that may, I will hold the line. I will not give up. See, we live in an ever-changing world that is rapidly, rapidly calling wrong right. And is calling right wrong. Listen, are you aware of the latest laws that are coming down the pipeline by way of executive order? Are you even aware? Let me give you just one as an example. Executive Order 13988, signed on January 20th, 2021. Every person should be treated with respect and dignity and should be able to live without fear, no matter who they are or whom they love. Okay. Children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. Now, I just got real quiet in here. But let me tell you what the intent of this executive order is. This statement implies support for allowing biological males and biological females who identify contrary to their gender to use the restrooms and locker rooms of your son and your daughter. Here's what that means. I feel that I'm a girl. Therefore, I can use the girl's restroom. Now, I know this is very in your face. I know this is very challenging. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about reality. And to stand against that, we must have the conviction, the belief. And my son says something interesting. He says, I was asking our volunteers, what does it take, or, you know, what, do you, what does the word faithful, faithfulness mean to you? And he says, it takes being full of faith. Too often, too many people are full of the world and what it says is right. And that leads to problems, ladies and gentlemen. That leads to problems. Listen, while the spirit of the law is true in that every person should be treated with respect, I have no problem with that. Neither does God. It comes at the expense of disrespecting Turning away, shutting down, silencing your concerns about what the Word of God says and what you stand for as the truth. So, I have a question. Because this is just one example amongst many, amongst many. Will you forsake the truth in God's Word under the banner of unity and equality for all. Can I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen? This is where the rubber meets the road. Not just, I'm not specifically saying this issue. There are many issues in this world, many things that completely contradict the word of God and call you and I to bow. I'm going to ask you the question I asked before again. Are you faithful? See, if it sounds Christ-like, 
but violates God's word and design, it's not what Christ has called you to stand for and accept at all. Oh, but pastor, aren't we called to be the light of the world? Yes, but the scripture says that darkness cannot overtake light. And yet some of us, if we're not careful, we will dim our light for the sake of loving them like Jesus. Let me say something to you, ladies and gentlemen. The church of Smyrna endured persecution and loss, great loss. But they were rich indeed because of their faithfulness. This church stood the test of time. So if you're worried about persecution and loss, take a moment to consider these words of Jesus in Revelations 2.10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. I know we're not seeing it to this extent in this day and age, but ladies and gentlemen, this is foretold in Scripture. These days are coming. These days are coming. And don't talk about, oh, when it happens, I'll be faithful. If you can't be faithful in the little right now, you will not be faithful when your faith is challenged. Do not fear any of those things which, are about, which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Watch this. Be faithful until death. For some of us, if it's too hot in the building, yeah, I, 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 it's just too hot for me. It's just so uncomfortable. I just, it was just, I feel like everybody's against me. I, you know, I'm just not going to say anything. Okay. Jesus says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Let me tell you why these words of Jesus are so important. Because you may pay a price for remaining faithful to the truth. But it will cost you more if you compromise. You may pay a price. For remaining faithful to the truth. Listen, I have had family turn their back on me. Ridicule me. I know what it is to feel alone. I know what it is to feel awkward because it's like, man, I just don't fit. I'm not talking about being a spiritual, so spiritually high that I can't connect with you. That No, look, I'm the most plain Jane guy you'll find. But I understand the pressure of being called to conform. When you begin to work with people and endeavor into places where you are the light and you stand for truth, just understand that there are going to be many times when you are the oddball and you got to be all right with that. So you may pay a price for remaining faithful to the truth, but it will cost you more if you compromise. Jesus says it will cost you the crown of life. I came across a quote recently because, you know, there's a lot going on right now and there's, there's so many different ways that they're trying to shut down truth, the church. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me, you don't see it. But take it from me. I will not mislead you. 
The things that are coming down the pipeline already create pressures for the church. Just on a legal side of things and the things that they're, for, that they, they, they're foreshadowing of what it's going to take for you to remain. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I make it known right here, we will not bend. Come what may, I'm not playing that game. And if some of you get offended by that, you know, it just gets so hard. Can I say to you, love you, but the wheels on the bus, they go round and round. You know what that means? The bus keeps moving. Love you. Everybody say, I love. Pastor Jose. Thank you. I, I, I came across a quote not too long ago, but I'll just share it for you. And, you know, because there's, there's so much that's being shut down and, you know, and all that. That's, that's, you know, those beliefs and, those, you know, you can't say that. Let me tell you something. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. I'm going to say that again. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen. A light shines in dark places. The last point I want to leave you with here is this, is that before you consider giving up, Consider that God does, doesn't give up on you. Let me say that one more time. Before you consider giving up, consider that God doesn't give up on you. Listen, being faithful is not a guarantee that you will not suffer. <laughs> we see that from the saints in Smyrna. These people were destitute. They lost their ability to provide for themselves, to work, to worship openly. And yet, Jesus says, you're rich. Let me tell you, when you are faithful, you are full of everything that God provides. God is with you. And I'm going to tell you, man, stand strong in your faith. Do not compromise. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to be looking at the church of Pergamum, which is the compromising church. Man, there's so much more I want to say to you. But you got you to come back. You got you to tune in. You got to check this out. Listen, these people, in the eyes of the world, lost all. They were fools for forsaking their ability to, to, to work, to purchase, to buy. And yet, somehow they thrived. Not somehow, some who. Christ in you the hope of glory. See, we cannot proclaim to be people of faith 
without faithfulness. We cannot proclaim to be people of faith without faithfulness. In fact, as people that bear the image and life of Christ within us, which is what the scriptures teach us, faithfulness is not simply a matter of duty. It's your nature. It's my nature as children of God. Listen closely. Therefore, to be unfaithful to the truth in the face of the pressures of this world is the equivalent of denying Christ. So, the number one reason that you and I have why we should remain faithful in this world is because God is faithful to you. Let's stand. As we come to a close, I want to leave you with this portion of Scripture. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are not faithful, he will still be faithful because he cannot be false to himself. Listen, when you're worried about rejection because of your faith, when you're worried because of your unwillingness to agree with that which contradicts to God's word and how it will impact you, when you're worried about lost opportunities because you will not follow the laws of men in place of the laws of God, just remember that just like the people of Smyrna persevered and thrived in the end, so will you because God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to you. He will see you through the effects of the pressures of this world. And I am telling you, remain faithful. Do not bend. Do not let go of the truth. For whatever reason, I'm just going to say this to some parents. Because it's just what I feel the Lord leading me to say. Don't complain about your children's faithfulness to the Lord. Don't complain about what you see and what they're choosing and how they may, may be prone to com compromise. You didn't hold the line. You didn't hold it. See, the line isn't taking them to church. The line is training them. You know what training involves? Resistance. And you know who comes out strong? The one who has endured much pressure pushed against them. And they learn to push. Listen, right now, your faithfulness has to be stronger than theirs. And you have to dictate the terms. My house, in my house, we shall serve the Lord. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. But my child, I love you enough to tell you that while you are under my care, I will be faithful to do what God has called me to do. To train you in the ways of the Lord. Don't bend. Don't bend the knee. Don't don't, don't let go. Don't give up. Hold fast. Let me remind you of what Jesus says. 
Jesus said this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. Faithfulness is for such a bigger picture than what you think. Be faithful. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.